0: Welcome to the ODA Magazine podcast series. We at ODA wanted to give you the opportunity to dive even deeper into the worlds of the people we get to spend time with by creating podcasts featuring conversations with creatives and entrepreneurs in all different areas of artistry, from designers, curators, and actors to philanthropists, models, singers, and photographers. The one through line for each of the podcasts in this series that they highlight the work of individuals from around the world who participate in and nourish culture and the conversations they inspire. Our guests discuss how they see the future, hopefully one filled with diversity, equality, understanding, and of course, passion. ODA is a platform where self-expression, imagination, and dreams are brought to the next level and shared with those looking to be inspired. The raw, flowing, and unfinished aesthetic of Perr Juttesen's designs acts like a sartorial expression of his deepest feelings. Named the Swedish Fashion Talent of the Year in 2018, Per has found a way to create garments that are both restrained and yet thought-provoking, as they reflect his Swedish upbringing, commitment to sustainability, and his sense of being an outsider. Per collaborates heavily with his partner, Hussein Elude in order to bring about the precise meaning that lies within each collection. Together, they are able to balance refined craftsmanship, sustainable processes, and a newfound interaction with their consumer base. Per and Husam spoke with ODA contributing writer Dominique Seliman for this interview.
1: The theme of this year's issue is you. So I want to ask, like, how do you see yourself and what defines you as a person?
2: I mean, I normally say, uh, you know, I'm tall, but that's kind of boring, you know. Ball, like, uh, no, I, I normally always say like tall, kind of friendly, sort of. You said friendly giant. You said one. So oh, yeah. That that's kind of. But I guess on a deeper sense, what defines me? Um, I guess sort kind of, sort of as a designer, I always, I always saw myself as like kind of. Uh, a bit sort of outside, not fitting in somehow. And then, when I, and then I, you know, I think that's kind of become, become almost like a, a drive, it's, it's kind of a source of inspiration for me. So I guess how I see myself is somehow someone not quite fitting in in a lot of places. And, and I use that a lot to kind of drive my work
3: forward. That makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> Although was a little bit sad that you're answering about your work when you're asking about you as a person. Yeah, like, I don't know. When I when I read that question, I actually thought just my weirdly really the first thing was like my immediate impulses. What, how do I define myself as a person? But I guess you could go into sort of identity stuff. Don't really like defining stuff like that. You know? mm-hmm. Maybe maybe definition is kind of a, is kind of a bit mm-hmm. that makes it difficult because. Mm-hmm. Right? the way you always evolving. So I don't know, yeah. inconclusive.
1: Yeah. All right, yeah, no, I can totally relate to that for sure. All right, and so going to the next question, our heritage, you know, our background, how we raised, this really like colored our worldview and how we, we um, proceed in the world today. So I just wanted to ask both of you, like, how does your background show up in your designs?
2: I guess uh, I do, I'm just reading the questions here now, and like sort of how where we where we are and where we grew up how that kind of colors um, our worldview. And I feel like where I grew up in the, in the sort of countryside in Sweden, it was quite sort of the impressions you got was quite limited in a way. And then when I came here to London, I kind of rediscovered things. So I think. Um, I tend to kind of go back to something very, sort of, um, uh, raw and some some type of, like, in terms of materials, I tend, I tend to kind of think about uh, material memories I had when I was a child and
3: stuff. I was gonna say, isn't it just about uh, a sense of belonging? I think that's yeah. something that's really- um, I get, right?
2: yeah, I guess when you move and, and come from somewhere else and, and you know, or in a kind of, I guess in a bigger city like London, I I think the idea of belonging and finding like a community or somewhere to belong is really important. So so I tend to somehow see how uh, how I was how my kind of upbringing or how the things I was used to then, how I can kind of um Find those kind of elements of comfort now. I guess that's
3: that's sort of a drive. Somehow. I mean, we work together quite a lot, so uh, I feel like I can answer that almost better than you can <laughs> because we always talk about that uh, and I often analyse what pairs looking at. And I think uh, you do always kind of really look at sort of uh, things of comfort and yeah, like that root you or that sort of remind you of home or that mean home.
1: Actually. Mm. So
3: I think that is something that's quite sort of countryside Swedish, a little bit homesick, but you always sort of nosy to explore the world. Dunno, I, I guess with me, I mean we both come from the countryside actually, which is weirdly really something we connect over. Mm. People don't ever really expect it from me. Um, somehow. Um, don't know about you. Um, Mm. I mean, you say I'm very obviously a country. I I can see, but maybe I can see it because (laughs) I grew up there. But I grew up really messed up. Like my family is, uh, my mom's Lebanese, my dad's Palestinian, and I'm German, uh, but I grew up with three languages. So there's a kind of multiplicity of viewpoints. For me, I
2: would, because like, I am like top, like 100% like potato farmer Swedish. And I (laughs) I I was like a little bit, boring or like unglamorous or something. So I'm always quite drawn
3: to people who have something more like interesting and like, I don't know. I think my mum was that really glamorous Lebanese woman that was plonked into the German countryside with women with hairy armpits in the seventies. And um, so I don't know, I kind of, yeah, but I kind of get, I I think we connect over this like our countryside background. I guess I come in with a bit more of like a cross-cultural viewpoints, on I do think that's kind of visible in my work, mm. maybe that makes it easy for me to collaborate with people, mm. because in a way I'm used to looking at things in three languages in a way.
2: Uh, one thing I think what what I've been kind of, maybe more recently, is this idea of class and like my, me, my working class background is something that I, I guess reflect on quite a lot of my work somehow, and this idea of like making... Sometimes, like uh, kitschy stuff or ordinary stuff, quite uh, romantic. Like looking at those things in a sort of a sort of romantic, oh yeah, I uh, suppose filter okay. poetry of the ordinary. That's quite strong. That's you know? something we're using as like a
3: method almost mm. yeah.
1: No, that's really interesting. I love how you said how your background and being from so many different countries led to how open you are to collaborating with people. I think that's super interesting and I can definitely relate to that in some, some some sort of way. Mm. But yeah. Going to the next question, you know, growing up, you know, was there a clear moment or point of realization where you like knew that you wanted to become a fashion designer?
2: Uh, I guess I was always like making stuff like quite naturally, not just like, like I love to sort of style myself. Me and my sister, we used, we used to style ourselves just to go to sort of the grocery store. But, um, I wanted to be an <laughs> That's so countryside.
3: It? <laughs> I wanted to be it's like all dressed up, nowhere to go. Uh...
2: I wanted to be an artist, really. That's what I would really wanted to be. And I used to say like I women to be an artist when I was like really small. And I think then I was like maybe maybe when I was like in sort of early teenage, I kind of realized or discovered like uh, Belgian fashion and Japanese fashion and stuff. and then I was like, okay, you know, this is amazing. I've never seen
3: something like this before. I have to be a fashion designer.
2: Um,
3: I must say, I kind of almost mirror that a little bit. because I actually studied fine art for a while. I think maybe that's also coming from a small place or, you know, being creative hasn't really got any, you know, like that's really weird and specific to be a designer. Um, so I think, I think we both came into sort of arts as mm. a kind of like hanger. And then you actually, also because we both started studying before this kind of social media thing where you could actually just find communities online. Mm. So I think it was like later when you then get introduced to things that you suddenly go like, oh my God, I could do this. Mm. Um, I mean, I remember it took me ages to explain to my nieces what I actually do for a living. Mm. So I was doing illustration and jewelry design. Uh, and that's like so specific. If I would said that, I'm like an artist, that's kind of more like a common image. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think, I think we both sort of discovered it along the way.
2: But yeah, it was always like, it, I was always wanted to do something creative and like, you know, considering my, where I came from, like my parents having quite sort of ordinary jobs, I never felt like I couldn't do certain things. It was always like very encouraging, weirdly, somehow, even though
3: it was not common. So that, that was quite good, I guess. But, but yeah, I think I think if you don't have the role models, so if you don't see people doing that, I think it's easier with social media now. But mm. in a way, <clears throat> uh, in a way, I think it was yeah, really. Like, uh, I I remember actually starting to buy designer clothes and kind of really getting into fashion, but it wasn't really so automatic. Mm. It wasn't so available. Somehow it just became became that maybe. maybe, 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 maybe.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, you know, you spoke a little bit about role models. And so designers often have muses, people, you know, whether it be friends, family, or other fellow designers that they return to over and over when they create collections. So I was going to ask, like, do you have someone that acts as your creative North Star?
2: Um, I guess, like, going back to sort of wanted to be an artist because i i I saw clothes and i knew about clothes but i never until i saw like Magella, for example i realized oh my god you can actually you know you can actually think of clothes in this way and you can be so poetic with clothes it's not just about sort of sewing and you know but
3: isn't this also a little bit about the people who might wear it
2: yeah i guess i guess now when i'm working with uh, on collections now like i'm 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 definitely sort of using my, I guess, community or whatever. I'm definitely drawing on people. I think I'm have... drawing people around you. Yeah. yeah, more so, I think, than having a concept for a collection. I'm more like have, have kind of a
3: vibe or like a person or a few different people uh, in mind when I see that. Now I'm suddenly thinking when you say that, but at uh, the end of the day, maybe that's, uh, you know, that 10 from Tracy Emin where she talks about all the people she ever slept with and then the biggest one is me, always me. Um, mm. Because I, I think I kind of change. Like there's people I'm quite interested in at different stages and they kind of merge and mix a bit. But actually at the heart of it, I think I almost use myself maybe the most often. Maybe just because I'm always there. Mm.
2: Yeah, I guess for me as well, like, I, use, I use my code quite a bit. But I feel like when I... When I design something, I normally like, I don't do so much for like ages, but I have stuff in my head and I'm, and then, and then the image becomes so clear so I can really feel and see and like sense the vibe of that person and then about, yeah, kind of know
3: what to do. you guy every season when you think about that. Yeah. And talk about that together. I do think it's kind of like a mixture of people, but it does always involve elements kind of come from you in a way so i think we use each other a little bit as well mm, so right. i think i think it's never so straight laced but i guess you yourself are always at the heart of everything
2: so you kind of complement as well like you, there is some there is some gaps you want to fill, like feel, with, with every season or like when you kind of move on to something new and then you you have these
3: like think about us and other people but then you fill in with Sort of new people. but Remember that that <laughs> season we did around the nest in our garden. Mm. Uh, so something might happen in your own life, and then, <clears throat> and then you kind of sort of build it around that. But then you sort of see how other people might have a similar experience. So I think, I think there's always people around you. Sam is quite important now. Yeah, but yeah you know, exactly. I think you
2: yeah. just move a bit. Yeah, it does. And I think that nest we did was like, and it kind of became us sort of
3: having this flat in London. Oh yeah, because we just moved in together. And then so. next, and then but the next
2: season kind of became about, uh, Joe Orton and- and but then
3: isn't that just a reflection of us? Yeah, that is, a, yeah, that, that was the point I think, but, yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, it sounds so vain, but I think it's quite true. Uh, maybe it's healthy, I don't know, you could judge. <laughs>
1: No, yeah, I, I find that super unique, like how you guys have each other to bounce off of, like you were saying. That's a really it's, a, it's all the people around, to be
3: honest. Mm, like it's
1: all the part. people. I mean, in a way, it, it's,
3: it's like fashion. You know, you become interested in specific mm-hmm. things or traits within people, and then mm. you, know, you might get to know something closely and that it really inspires you. So I do think it sort of shifts around. So it's always an interaction with your environment and the people around.
2: I feel like for me, you know starting on a collection, I always have like this kind of half sort of half baked idea, and it's almost like I want to test it with like yeah a lot of different people yes. so, so no, yeah. you know it not, then it doesn't become what it becomes a conversation and then that's how you kind of build your and like layer your concept i guess you know? we were
3: actually talking to our friend who is a fashion writer um. Kind of, uh, about the last collection and it, there was a kind of moment where it was kind of clear that you know you started with your grandmother mm. but actually sort of people around also kind of started feeding into the collection like people we worked with people you uh, collaborated with Also so, Charlie Porter yeah. which
2: I talk uh, he always writes the press releases and just me sort of going to his flat and he, he I tell him sort of what I'm into and then he shows he me like all these other people from kind of history or
3: like artists and so, but just on a side note, whenever I have to draw illustrations, although it's a kind of more women's wear now, uh, Stella Tennant always, rest in peace, uh, mm-hmm. actually somehow. Um, so maybe there is a kind of set of face. I mean, it depends what you mean with the muse. you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's a bit of a look, there's a character trait, mm-hmm. you do mix them up a bit, yes. Mm-hmm. And with women's wear, I find it easier, maybe it's time removed. I always have a few mm. women that I think about, some I know. I guess, like, for, as a, for a muse,
2: for me, I think there needs to be some type of attraction, like, there needs to be, like, attention somehow. That's how I see, like, a muse, like, it's not just, like, a comp- like it's not just kind of uh, removed and sort of, like, just visual, it's, like, a kind of emotion and mm. attraction, I think that's really important, without something like
3: too creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess it can be some sort of like an abstract idea. So,
3: yeah. Love okay. the following people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so transitioning a little bit. Um, I know that you were a student of the Royal College of Art, and I believe you studied at in Chelsea. Um, I just want to like, ask, ask, like, how did attending each of your schools shape your art today?
2: Uh, well, RCA was amazing. Uh, I was like really kind of mind-blowing coming there. I actually came from industry, so I was working for a high street company just before. So, uh, you know, between my undergraduate in Sweden and RCA. So I was really nervous in the beginning. I felt it really hard to be creative again, because I was just used to kind of doing spec drawings for, for uh, you know, production line in China. So I was really removed from like just doing stuff and fiddling around, even though I was quite naturally uh, creative, so first of, the first year was like me being really nervous. thinking everyone was like super talented, and then the second year we all have we all had become such such good friends. So uh, in the second year it all, I, I kind of broke, broke broke out from my own sort of um, um, barriers, and uh, and that's where I met when I met Lulu. And also Kang Choi, he has a brand now, was in my year and, and you know, it was a really great year with a lot of kind of amazing people mm. that supported each other. So, so it was like really scary first, but then it was really amazing. And, and the people I met are still kind of colleagues and good friends mm. now.
3: And the Royal College people are always like family. Um, there, it's quite weird school. I, I did a stint there as an exchange student. Um, because it's kind of quite removed in the middle of yeah. South Kensington and there's nothing really around at mm-hmm. the Memorial, like Albert's Memorial. Um, and I noticed that people who study at the Royal College, they always hang out with each other into their thirties, forties and fifties. I, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I studied at so many schools. <laughs> I had like a school migrant background <laughs> because I studied fine arts in Berlin and in Chelsea and and then I was at Middlesex for Jewelry, so I don't know. Um, I, I guess the one thing I did have with the schools I went to, I studied Jewelry with Caroline Goldhead, uh, um, it was always, I was always, I guess maybe in a way I s- sought out those kind of schools as well, uh, Berlin was like that, maybe Chelsea less so, so it was always a, sort of quite experimental and I think that's something maybe I've taken on forward with my approach. Didn't have the luck of the community, but I hopped around too much. It wasn't yeah. Mm.
1: Interesting. Yeah, so also with that and, you know, your background and, and the difference between areas, like how does the difference between where you were born and raised and how does that compare to where you currently reside now?
2: I mean, it was too far away. Like I couldn't be there in Sweden. You know, because somehow, somehow I had these big ambitions, even though I, I didn't know maybe what, what they were when I grew up, so, so you know, I, it was inevitable. I had to kind
3: of move somewhere more cosmopolitan and more maybe... I mean, he literally comes from the forest. I, I think I do as well, mm-hmm. um, but uh, would you always show off saying that you didn't have any asphalt on the street. Yeah, we didn't have, <laughs> as, we didn't have <laughs> any asphalt, you know, tarmac. We didn't have any tarmac. <laughs> and now we're like smack bang in the middle of London, so... Um, I think yeah we we have that in common in a way I think uh it's it's just so much more multicultural here, and then career wise like I think what we do wouldn't be possible where we come from actually at all
2: no, I think even like if if I was trying to do you know without any network what i what I'm doing now in Sweden without like kind of having any of my my sort of people who have sort of helped helped me to build a brand. And doing something coming out now and expecting someone to pay for it, I think it's impossible in Sweden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just—it's just not uh, its just not the, the same market and I mean, the same kind it's of tiny network. Though. I yeah. mean,
3: you don't even have as many people as London, the whole country. Mm. I think, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the main thing is, uh, is civilization, and there is actually culture. I mean, he always looks at houses in Sweden and goes, "Oh, how close we can move there." I'm, I'm always like, "What?" What the hell are we going to do where I grew up, the, the only things options were art teacher, florist, I think. maybe hairdresser. So so that was kind mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but you know, when I
2: look at these houses, that's the that's the irony now with this pandemic because we all came here oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. because we want to you know ha- you know do stuff outside of our house, but now like that's kind of gone. So so in a way, looking at Sweden and all t- you know the fresh air and stuff feels kind of relevant if we're going to continue living like this, you know?
3: <laughs> I don't know. I'm not quite ready to move back to the countryside. Mm. I just think it's not going to be possible, not like this. But, yeah. Mm.
1: yeah.
3: So, London's uh, bad. Bad. It's yeah. difficult to top. I've worked a lot in Tokyo, even that I felt seemed less sort of exciting in terms of uh, culture, like, you know, mm. which, uh, sort of, there's so many things happening, people try things out. Um, so yeah, London is hard to talk. Mm. It's kind of where the world meets, and neither of us even come from England, so uh, mm. so it's not it's not like a. I think it's because it's somehow allowed this culture. Mm. Might change now with Brexit. Who knows? we mm. see. Maybe we'll move to Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: man, I would love to visit someday, but yeah. Um, did any like commitment to sustainability come in your designs? And did it come before or after uh, your you becoming a fashion designer?
2: Um I guess like I guess I was always like some 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 somewhat sustainable. I always I always like to repurpose things, like I guess that's quite sort of so straight straightforward, sustainable. Um I always like to kind of talk about it more, like keep it in mentor, like a more kind of um, non-aggressive masculinity perhaps and like not sort of contribute to like a stereotype image Uh, but I I guess I wasn't aware that I was kind of thinking about this these topics before sort of sustainability became a buzzword Mm -hmm. it's it's very integral to the brand I feel Uh, so so I guess it was always there it was always there and I guess now we're exploring it more consciously with like Sustainable supply chains and trying to trying to kind of think about this sort of impact um,
3: we are making. I was actually I was actually a founding member of the ecology um, sort of extracurricular group at school, uh, and a little bit politically active when I was a teenager. I, don't right. uh, I was also 10. <laughs> Were you? Yeah. Were you little Greta? Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no. but I don't know. Yeah. I guess I guess I was actually. I was quite mm. interested in it. Um, I actually became a bit cynical, sort of in the middle part, and then. Uh, but yeah, I've always had a liking, or mm. thinking. Wow. Yeah. Also, also in broader in pictures, in the broader picture of sustainability and a little bit of social justice was mm. like, yeah. I, I was always quite. That was important to me yeah
1: mm, thanks all right uh talking a bit about more about your relationship i just want to ask like, how did you guys meet each other and what draws you to each other in terms of inspiration creativity all of that
3: i mean lulu kennedy introduced us so we were supposed to Work together, and then, I mean, we did do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, other stuff happened as well. Yeah. Um, so we met at my studio. Uh, yeah. He came, and we were very flirtatious, and we had a work meeting. <laughs> yeah. And I remember just moving things around on the table, and it was just quite intuitively. Yeah. Sort of, um, we clicked kind of intuitively, creatively also. Yeah. And then, I, mean, I think somehow, like we had this mixer, like we both like to.
2: Think we were also like we also makers at the same time, so I think we connected
3: over like moving those things around, you know. <laughs> and then stuff. I think that's more you than me, too. <laughs> uh, I think. I, yeah, I don't know, um, but uh, yeah, so it wasn't really, yeah, uh, we weren't really supposed to sort of date. In fact, I was a bit sort of resistant, I was a bit wary because it's like working together, being together sounds kind of too much, um, but yeah, we, we were introduced by Lulu Kennedy. Mm. I think she kind of saw similarities in our aesthetics and our approach mm. and then uh, sorry what was the second part of the question where did you how did we meet and then how do we bounce off creatively or something like yeah um i mean yeah like i said it was always kind of quite um like immediately quite intuitively click mm. um i think what happens a lot now is that the prompt you and what you're doing and then I sort of try to help you put it in. Yeah, you're more context.
2: In, yeah, you're more sort of organized I, because I, <laughs> I get know. like I get like ideas all the time, and I can't. I, have to, I sometimes I forget what I was doing before, and Usam is
3: more. Uh, he remembers his better memory. No, I think <laughs> I just analyze it um, basically, and then that, <clears throat> and then in a way, I guess. Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of used to doing that anyway. I've collaborated mm-hmm. with a lot of people, but I sort of uh, look at the things that then resonate with me uh and feed into it. Um something like that. I guess I guess we we, we complement each other. No? I mean, yeah, so I've not really done this before, so I find <laughs> still yeah. a little bit weird, I would say. Uh, but you're much more patient and like kind of that you're kind of
2: yeah. I wish, yeah. And I get bored when it's like saying things too long. Too long, you know. You kind of good to sort of stick to what we said now. And I'm like, okay, it was about
3: this. (laughs) (laughs) More experience, maybe, uh, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I mean, we we once said, I think uh, I can't remember when. uh, We kind of there is a kind of courtship also in us working together. I think that's kind of a nice Mm. thing. So in a way, sometimes we make things for each other. Yeah. the part.
2: yeah we never really look at like we said we we talk about the stuff but then we, we don't really show each other too much until it's kind of like but we do clarity. research
3: together so we kind of sometimes also look mm. together at things that interest us and then mm. um sort of almost gauge each other's reactions so i think that's something that we can do mm. i mean when i work on other things i sometimes draw him in just as a kind of uh critical peer mm. so, um but yeah, like all fashion designers is quite uh, I don't know, but it's, just, it's a kind of, it works. I'm, I was surprised, I didn't expect it.
1: Mm. All right, interesting, interesting. Uh, so when it comes to your creative process, where do you draw inspiration from? Do you have like certain activities, people that you turn to when you do get your creative uses flowing or do you like, do you find yourself were you creative at a certain times of the day or in any particular place?
2: Well, I'm very much I'm very much like I need to kind of have some type of feedback loop. So so I have a very I have a very hard time just going in for myself to so the student just sitting there to kind of be creative. I for me it happens through conversation. Like I might have some like ideas, but then I'm like I I run it past you, I run it past Gary. And then when I have some kind of
3: feedback, I go back and then I mean, to be honest, I see you. I think you're just like he's always kind of on the hunt for something that he hasn't seen before, some new, mm. new, new, experience, even if it's just some crap in the supermarket uh, mm. that he hasn't seen before. Uh, so okay. I think you work <laughs> a lot from sort of everyday. Yeah, uh, you do like going. Like I think you really like going out to see things. Mm. Um, you always kind of talk to me about going to the museums. That's I don't know I, I I think that's also something we have in common in a way is that i also i think in my everyday my in, you know how i asked answered with the first question how I said my initial instinct or impulse, and i think uh that's normally where I start from as well and then mm. I might go in and sort of go why am I drawn to this object mm. or topic uh and then I might sort of find out no mm. no a lot of times it can be like you
2: have an idea like a very sort of in, impulse and then the whole process becomes about kind of justifying it and kind of feeling feeling good research and layers and then for it to make sense maybe, maybe
3: less justifying, maybe more um that you sort of almost analyze why something's kind mm-hmm. of making you react in a certain way i think another thing that again i think we've kind of sort of have something common i'm quite interested in is kind of objects and how they Evoke a story, whether I make that up or whether that's actually there. Uh, There's kind of almost like archaeological instinct. Yeah. Of like I love found objects, and then and then I play with them, imagine something.
2: Yeah, that's. T- I think that's a nice compliment because I'm, I, I'm drawn to like these very ordinary or kitschy things, and I, and, and therefore I need to fill it with like uh,
3: people's experience. I people's- mean, he loves proper crap. Uh, I mean, in fact, he he says to me sometimes, like, you know, all this shit, I actually find it beautiful. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I think he's quite often with, like, really actually things that aren't supposed to be good.
2: And then uh, I guess what one thing really spoke to me was when I heard that, um, I guess, I think uh, Reiki Wakubu does this and Mutual Prada, they work with things that they find challenging or or even ugly. it's not quite the same but i think I, I need something that is just so it's just so bland or It's so hitchy so it's like that's a kind of um, um
3: uh, i think you feel challenged by yeah. this thing somehow to make something yeah, it, yeah. I, I do think you have that instinct of trying to make something from sort of something that's not supposed to be nice yeah in a way yeah.
2: but i also almost of the time i just find it beautiful like you know
3: If that kind of um, makes sense, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm no better, so I mean, (laughs) just read like a garble of God knows what. I mean, I don't know. Um, I I do think sort of the mundane, everyday, uh, and found objects. I think are like a kind of set of sources that actually we have in common. Mm.
1: In 2018, you were awarded the Swedish Fashion Talent of the Year with the jury's following motivation. Ferguson puts Swedish fashion on the international map, praised by the industry for his powerful design, expressive silhouette, and creative spirit, and is therefore assigned the Swedish Fashion Talent of the Year. So what was your reaction to winning this award, and you know what is this statement mean to you? Uh,
2: I mean, I think they are... I almost said I think they're right. No. Uh, no, I mean it was amazing. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, that's me. No, but I have to I have to say a couple of things. So I think like you know, we said blah blah blah, it's it's nothing that that's not entirely true. The Sweden has a very kind of uh, established uh, scene, but it's more for like these big corporations, h H&M and, and that and of so in that context, like how should my things fit in there so so and then I kind of came here and then I got uh, some support here and you know was lucky enough to find a platform here so so in that context it is all makes sense I think but then obviously through this it's been really amazing to be able to work with very very Swedish companies like Absolute we're doing our second collaboration just just now and then Weekday, we just did a capture now. So, so I feel like this exchange with Sweden while I'm here, it's it's very very interesting and all this kind of Swedishness, you know, the, this often with this kind of like just enough, like uh, you know, this kind of taste, and I and I'm very interested in this. Um, um, don't know, like this idea of being Swedish, and you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm I think. Uh, oh, you are saying you're undermining? I think this. The... Now I think this. This kind of them kind of giving me this award has opened up like a lot of interesting avenues for me to kind of connect back with, with Sweden. I guess.
3: Yeah, I do. I do think this also undermine this kind of Swedish conformity of Conform. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, yeah. uh, so anyway, I guess mm. it's nice that they appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's always
2: like something you um yeah that con- conformity is now in the culture has been like something you first you first revolt to it and then as you get older you like appreciate it <laughs> so it's like that whole that's kind of like a battle you know that's quite interesting i find oh uh, yeah i witnessed that battle <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm, mm. nice yeah i mean it's always awesome to be recognized for where you grew up and everything but mm. yeah so in 2020 we can't like have this interview without you know discussing what went over in the past year. So I want to ask, you, like, how do you think the pandemic has impacted your vision for your work in the world? Um,
2: I think for me, like, uh, you know, we we are small company, so it's it's quite easy for us to be sort of agile and adapt. I guess. Uh, but I think just for in a broader context, like it's very important for fashion to kind of slow down its pace um, and think about what, what matters uh, and and uh, think about sustainable processes and how to kind of build something more uh, lasting, I guess. And for me, it's been really important to connect with the fans, the customers, like that's something I've really learned a lot from, uh, Not focusing so much on like sh- doing shows, like I continue to do shows, but I think using this time to kind of connect with the people who actually buys the clothes and are, and are waiting for the for the collection to buy them and to feel them. And I've been able to spend more time to kind of get to know them. And that's been really re- rewarding and, and I learned a lot from that. So, so I think, um, moving forward and like have some some type of vision i think uh, <coughs> um the, i think the cycles needs to be more about uh having that continue to have that dialogue and perhaps not focus might not should not be about sort of fulfilling
3: uh, uh i don't know like just just uh, I, mean, bit, I, I think it's challenged everyone and it's challenged these systems as well. Mm. I guess I, I feel like personally I don't know if I can even answer that yet. It's not over yet. You know that in a way, I feel sort of a lot, a lot of the things here, yeah, like things are in question, but I don't know the answer yet. But you know, it's quite good to question things. I guess.
2: Mm. Um, it's, it's weird because like at the same time, like a lot of good things have happened for us, and like these kind of just be giving this more, a bit more space to actually think about how do you want to run things and how do you want mm-hmm. to kind of do things. It's been really, really so good. But then at the same time, you not you don't exactly know. Because we I a year ago, I thought, okay, the market's going to be sort of back to normal now. In February 21, I actually wrote that in my, um, uh, like when I was kind of planning my immediate term, but that's obviously not the case now. Uh, so it's like this uncertainty at, at the same time. It's it's quite exciting and refreshing. Hmm.
3: I feel I feel like everything's really abstract and I like things and people mm. has definitely somehow changed. But yeah, again, I, I don't know, I feel like in a way you're more excited by I, I think I'm just I'm still more undecided somehow.
2: I feel a lot of people are waiting for uh, like us like creatives to kind of say what's gonna happen, and, 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 and I don't know, it's like a more kind of, um, uh,
3: the, it's kind of revolts or a bit reverse somehow. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of also, obvious nice. that both of us are teaching also, so in a way, I think we have to sort of guide young designers coming into the industry now, uh, and this amount of uncertainty, I guess, I guess the one thing is you yeah, have to sort of embrace questioning things uh, are kind of also acknowledging that being or working in fashion is, is a lot about being able to deal with the unexpected I think I think that's the kind of thing maybe uh that somehow I guess I am sort of trying to find solutions for but I think maybe it's more about it's going to be questions but like mm. trying things out but I don't know if, if we have answers yet somehow
1: Good. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's been a really important year for fashion, I definitely say. But uh, mm-hmm. what has been the most impactful piece of advice or life lesson that you've ever been given?
3: Supporting, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I, I, know, I know one actually. Uh, somehow it immediately came to mind. I had a uh, painting professor in Berlin, and he said to me once, that i always try to make everything when i already know it's going to be good and he said you know you need to let things go wrong sometimes as well um and that was really good advice Mm -hmm. because it was kind of saying yeah you need to also embrace the thing that goes wrong um so that was really going back Mm -hmm. to the law actually
2: i think uh, this one of these like really lame ones but i think Maybe it wasn't said to me directly, but I heard it somewhere and it, it's about like this idea of like, you know, the uh, the goal is not worth it if the journey isn't, you know, meaningful or something. And I think for me, like being very interested in kind of um, the new unexpected or processes, uh, I think that's that's something
3: I could sort of sign up for, I guess. Uh, and um, it's not about sort of an end goal. It's about kind of building something. Well, now my brain is hemorrhaging
1: sort of like uh, sort of, uh, calendar truths. So let's maybe stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can relate to both of those for sure. But last question. Um, how do you guys want to focus your creative energy going forward? You know, whether it be in terms of your career, but also on a more personal level.
2: Well, I'm really excited about this kind of... Uh, uh, the fan base, I guess, and keeping in touch with them. We're launching some exciting stuff on Instagram with some um, some, uh, some, archiv- some Instagram archivers, uh, also um, a web shop. So kind of being more um, controlling of the business like with, with the people around me, I'm really excited about building this kind of creative hub, which I see somehow in my studio uh, in terms of me as a person, I guess I guess that fits into each other, uh, taking back control. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's the Brexit beef campaign slogan. <laughs> <So good. laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Like
2: somehow it is all, all this uncertainty. I feel I feel it's quite a, it's quite a good. I feel quite excited about re- re- reevaluating and doing things. Doing things that make sense for us and our customers. I don't know. Like this sounds really like a really lame
3: kind of jingle now, but that's that's kind of what yeah, I feel. I, mean, I think I think you're like very focused on kind of that community that's around right. you. I don't know. I think I think I'd just really like to uh, put together a collection by itself again. That would be nice. Um, so I think I think I might make some time for that. Mm. So maybe, maybe more to follow.
0: Don't want to miss an episode of the Oda Podcast? All you have to do is download our app in the Apple Store or visit Oda's Spotify account. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. And don't forget to leave a review and tell your friends about the new Oda Podcast.